Hey everybody and welcome back to Nerd to the Third, your stop for video games, movies, and nerd culture. Today we're bringing you the Power of Three with your host, Nick, Nate, and the ever-rotating third chair, Link. What's up? That's me, Link. And I'm Nate, as always. Alrighty. And so, quick grinding before we get started. You can go to our Twitter at TX3Productions on Twitter. If you like Apex, we have an Apex Legends Hubcast, your central cast for everything Apex. And you can find us at Apex Legends Cast on Twitter. Um, if you like what we're doing here and you'd like to support us, you can also go to Patreon slash ThreadX3Productions and... We'd like to give a shout out to our main men, Adam, a.k.a. I'm not gay, I'm Kevin, Danny's, and Mavcop. Thank you guys for being Patreons. You guys are freaking awesome. So let's jump right into the headlines of the week. All right, so our headlines of the week. Uh, I got two major ones that I want to talk about. Um, let's start with the Joker trailer. What was your guys' thoughts on this? First off, Link, what what did you think about the Joker trailer? Um, I didn't really differ my opinion on the movie based on the trailer at all. This go round, <laughs> I uh, I was I was ready for the Joker movie already. Oh, okay. Um, I think it was a good taste in my mouth, but Giggity. it didn't really alter my my thoughts at all if you will okay so i mean what do you like or what makes you want to see it just the general fan in me if i'm being honest okay, okay. I, I don't i don't like to judge a movie by its trailers um i've had bad experiences in the past especially with superhero based movies <laughs> well, okay, okay doing that so i I was genuinely excited whenever this got announced, and I'm going to continue to be excited despite what the trailers are. Mm, okay. Uh, but I do like the overall scenery that they seem to put on during the trailer. I will give them that. Okay. Okay. And Nate, what, what's your thoughts on it so far? What is your thoughts of Joaquin Phoenix? Uh, so for me, whenever he was announced that he was playing the Joker, I was excited because I know Joaquin Phoenix's... I know, so I was waiting for it. Um, I know his like catalog. I know yeah. his portfolio. Like he he has proven himself to be a fantastic ath- actor, and he's a fantastic method actor. Mm-hmm. So that is what excites me about uh, someone coming onto the Joker. Someone who's a method actor like that. You know, Jared Leto. People have a lot of complaints about. Uh-huh. I like Jared Leto as an actor, so his performance didn't bother me as much as it did other people. But. Um, I was excited from this from the beginning. I wasn't like, oh, why are they doing this? Um, and then the trailer itself, it it kind of proved that even more. The trailer is so chilling and so creepy. And it really, really, really makes me even more excited for the movie just to see what they're going to do. Because we've never seen a like true-to-form Joker origin story on film like this. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Um, it's one thing I can always love about this show is that you know we can have completely different opinions or whatever because both of you guys are excited, whereas me, I could give two fucks. <laughs> I really couldn't because this just it does absolutely nothing for me. It 
uh, I'm not excited for it. I don't really even care that it exists. And the trailer then came along and nothing stood out to me as, okay, this is why I'm seeing it, you know? And I mean, I'll be honest. I think maybe part of that is that I don't have like this personal connection with like the Joker and his backstory. I feel like, and this is just me. I feel like the Joker is one of those perfect characters where you don't need a backstory. And in fact, sometimes the backstory can can kind of muddle things in the future. The other thing that for me is personally like, I guess just confusing is where does this stand? This is a standalone. It's not a part of any of the universes. I think, you know, they've, it's they've basically it's, it's, gotten it's a rid of by itself. Thing. Yeah. They've basically gotten rid of the DCEU. And yet, here's this standalone character for the biggest character in the DC universe, and you're telling me that this isn't connected to anything? Like, that's that's a problem. You know, that's like having Venom, and then there's no mention of Spider-Man. Like, as much as Venom was just, like, a fun ride or whatever, and it had its problems or whatever, but... It was that was the biggest flaw is just not having it connected to what Venom really was all about in the first place. You know, granted, he had his own run of comic books and everything, and that's fine. But Venom was in Spider-Man. Like, I don't know. And so then, yeah, we have Joker here, which is the most famous and probably one of the most iconic bad guys of all time. So him getting his own origin story. Okay, that's great, but then I guess, where do we go from here? Do we then have another Joker story? Do we then have Joaquin Phoenix go and star in the next Batman movie? You know, like, that's what's so confusing. So, like, I guess as a fan, I don't want to get too emotionally attached to this character because it's like you know, as a one-off, like who cares, you know, I granted all the other ones have been one-offs obviously as well, but they still been a part of this bigger universe without it being a part of this bigger universe of the DC universe. Just why am I supposed to care about this? You know? So as a counterpoint to the, why would I care uh, stance that you're taking, Nick? Mm -hmm. I think, I think I would say, I'd rather this than another Batman origin story, right? Yeah. And so yeah. it it gives me it gives me some interest in that point because if they came out and said, "Hey, we've we've uh we've went out, we got Joaquin Phoenix, he's going to play a minor role in the new Batman origin story." I'd I'd be upset. I'd I'd be I'd be kind of furious because at that point you're just shoving stuff that we've already seen. We haven't seen a major movie going into the origin story of Joker, which I think is one of the more interesting ones, mm -hmm. actually, because it really shows just how messed up the world of Gotham is, or the city of Gotham, I should say. Yeah. Um, and so if you're familiar with what already exists in the comic books of the origin story of Joker, if they do this right, it almost makes you feel inside with the Joker, which is something special to do with a character like that. So I'm excited to see it just for that reason, yeah. to see the storytelling and the cinematics to make you feel for the Joker. Because if you take a character, like you said, who's probably the most prominent villain in the entire DC universe, mm -hmm. um, and 
take him and make you like him that that's crazy to me yeah and i mean see i get that like i don't want people to think i'm just like stupid and like when i say i don't get it it's like i i I get it it's just that it's not really doing anything for me like i don't know it's just it's that's not a big enough reason for them to even have it exist in my in my opinion it's like okay yeah it would be super great but yeah, I guess it's it's just like I was saying before, the Venom and Spider-Man. Like, what is Joker without Batman? It would be really cool, I'll admit. It would be really cool if they could somehow, like, only if it fit naturally, obviously. But if they could somehow make this also sort of the origin of whoever the next Batman's going to be. So instead of having another another you know slow motion martha scene or whatever if this could somehow like retcon a new origin story of batman and so we don't have to go through the origin story of the original batman again and instead we can kind of do a spider-man homecoming where we're in the middle of the story we he's already been spider-man for a while and go you know, like if we could do something or Black Panther is another good example where he was kind of like already Black Panther and in uh, Civil War and we didn't really need an origin story. If we could do that for the next Batman because we have this movie, I feel like that will give enough credence to this movie for existing. That's fair. I agree with that. Okay, so let's unpack this. Yeah, let's bit. unpack this. Mine's, <clears throat> mine's multifaceted. So as far as why this exists, um, I think that this is DC's, their, their media side, their first, first entry in their new approach to their films. Um, I think they, they and all of us saw the disaster that was the DCEU and what they tried to, tr- tried to force and how it didn't obviously return back what they put into right. it. Right. And so, um, so if I, I could go that, real fast there, I think the th- thing that's really jarring about that and i also want to think about the regular people who don't read the comics the why that's so jarring is because it's so soon like they are extremely reactive to justice league aquaman aside from one throwaway line could be seen as its own movie and this is now a part of but even before like even during justice league and suicide squad both kind of crapping they announced the joker thing so that was like months before they really knew that it was it crapped the bed so to speak so that's a little confusing right right i I can i can get that um and so i think that following the joker i think it really just depends on how it's going to do i think we'll either see a new skew of like standalone storytelling movies that they want to do or maybe they'll enroll him into slowly enroll him into a new kind of universe Mm -hmm. um now this is the part we put on our tinfoil hats um so there is a theory and pretty much everyone thinks the same thing that in the joker trailer that the scene whenever he's in front of the fence like forcing that smile on that little kid's face that that's bruce wayne I hate when people do this. I mean, like I, so, I get, I get the intrigue of doing that, but it's like, why? Like, I don't know. Like if that, if that is Bruce Wayne, how is he so young? And the, I mean, like the Joker would be super old by the time he comes old enough to fight him. So that to me doesn't really make a lot of sense. Well, there's a lot of different permutations of the Joker in the comics, and some some kind of indicate that he is younger, and some 
some indicate that he's younger some indicate that batman and the joker as they were advancing in their perspective lives uh were of similar age and then some you really don't know Mm -hmm. like for like prime example i have no idea how old the joker is in the arkham series in the video game series like he seems like he could be super old you know i'll give you that one for sure you don't really know but um so tinfoil hat time i think that this is either a standalone movie that they're saying it is um they could, and this goes back to the retcon thing, they could retcon, because a lot of people leading up to Suicide Squad had a theory that the Joker we're seeing in Suicide Squad was actually... Jared, Jared Todd or something? To, Jason Todd. Uh, Jason, Jason Todd. Sorry. Was yeah. actually Jason Todd, because in you know other storylines, the Joker made Jason Todd into a mini Joker. And they basically, he so, beat out his mouth, too, so he had no teeth left. So the yeah. metal teeth, yeah, exactly. So I think that this could be either a completely standalone movie or it could be, oh, no, guys, this is the actual Joker in this universe. Mm. Um, and they could have, now that one might be a little heavy handed. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing that I would like to see coming from this is we know they're doing another Batman movie. Um, you, so <clears throat> this is a little different. You don't want an or another origin story. I don't either. What I would like to see live action since is I would like to see a year one Batman Year one Batman in the comics is 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 kind of one of my favorite mm-hmm. runs because you're watching Batman grow. Like you're not not like in Batman Begins. Batman Begins was very fast, of course, because it's a two hour right. movie. But Year One Batman, he's like in the comics, he's wearing the purple gloves, like from the original story. Like this is his proto. Hey, I'm just getting out right, there as Batman. Right. Not I was ra- I was trained by Rachel Ghoul, and Raish? you know I'm now I'm Batman. Rachel Ghoul. Uh, it's it's Raz or Raish. Like, because I've played so much of the Arkham series, Raish is what they say all really? the time. Really? They say that? Yeah. Raish. It's it's either Raz or Raish. Yeah. I, I remember. Okay. Anyways. And a lot of the media, they do it. But so I think if they are going to, if this is going to be a standalone, I think it'll be an interesting experience. If this is going to be a part of a universe, I would love to see year one Batman follow this. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense since they want a younger um, Batman. They're already, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get a younger Batman, whether it be like that, you know, um, one of the Hemsworth brothers, I think, was one that they were looking for. So, I mean, that could that could be interesting. And so maybe, like I was saying, maybe they could do the retcon or something. It would it would be interesting to see Batman year one. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean... So they're... I guess, I guess it's just, it's hard for me... And I mean, I can't be the only one out there. So you guys let me know in our Discord or, or whatever. But I can't be the only one out there that, like, if I find it hard to see this as its own movie because it's a part of this big, huge universe. And so, I mean, I feel like the same thing happened when people went to go see Venom. You know, and I, I, I have to keep comparing it to that because Venom was a part of the Spider-Man and so a lot of people were confused or whatever. And so maybe they judged it more harsh because they just didn't understand where this sat in the universe. And so for for me, when I watch this movie, it's going to be really hard for me to not judge it a certain way, especially in the trailer when they show the the hospital daddy blew up in The Dark Knight. So it's like they show that they're clearly referencing that. Is it a part of that universe? Is it a part of another universe? Like what the hell? Like, well, 
to be fair, Joker in the Dark Knight didn't blow up the Arkham Hospital. Okay. He blew up just at Mercy General or whatever. He 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 blew up a general hospital. He didn't blow up Arkham. Well, I mean, I don't. They make throwaway lines to Arkham in in the in the Nolan verse, but they never really show. Well, Arkham. no, I'm saying he's he. Sh- they showed the the same hospital in the trailer. You talking about the one when he's walking up to it? Yeah. That was Arkham General Hospital. That's their Arkham Asylum. Okay, but General it looks Hospital. exactly like the one he blew up. So that that see honestly on that one, I feel like that one is a little bit of a stretch. I don't think people are going to be as confused about that one in particular. Maybe you're like, maybe also just because Dark Knight came out ten years ago, eleven years ago. So I feel like with people who constantly forget things, that that's not one that's going to stick out in their head. I see where you're I, coming from. I feel like it is though because that's an iconic scene in the Ledger verse of Joker. Is him doing the whole explosion thing, and it looks exactly the same. It looks like the exact same hospital, but now we have this new version. Even if it says something different on the side of it, well, this is an orange origin story. So maybe it was a psych house before it was a hospital. Like either way, it look that's when I see that shot. You could pause it right there. That's what I think of. That's what I think of, and so. I can't be the only one. That's what I'm saying is that when people are combing through these things and they're like, oh, that looks like the thing they blew up. Like, I can't be the only one who's thinking this. And like I said, it's not that I'm not going to enjoy it. It's not that I'm not going to, you know, go see it. I mean, I I don't think I'm going to go see it, you know, week one for sure. But I'm just saying that, like, how am I supposed to not judge it under a fine tooth comb because... There's so much more to compare it to, which is also another thing. Like, there's already people comparing this to like the Ledger, and like Ledger used to be the best Joker, and now they're talking about like Joaquin Phoenix being the best Joker, and I find that to be BS because it's like this. This is a trailer, guys. Like, I can kind of understand, but the it's it's the volume, the volume of people trying to say that he's going to be better than the Ledger Joker, and I'm like. I can't say that yet because he talks a little bit, but he doesn't talk as the Joker. He talks as, you know, Arthur. Arthur. You know, he just talks as a normal guy, you know? So for them coming out and, oh, my God, this could actually be better. I'm like, could? Yes. But the way you're talking about it is like, oh, my God, he's going to be the best. No, he's not. Like, he might. I don't know, but... Something to relate to with that is the lead up to the Dark Knight. Everyone was pissed that Ledger was going to be cast as Joker. They're like, "Why are we getting the dude from Ten Things I Hate About You? Like, why, yeah, why, why are we doing that?" Leading into this, they're like, "Oh, this actor that we've seen, like I said before, who's a fantastic method actor mm-hmm. who can really bring a new light to the Joker." I can see where people are saying that. Now, I don't agree with like what you're. I, I agree with what you're saying. I don't agree with the volume of people who are like, "Oh, he's going to be the best." It's like, okay, don't speak in absolutes. Right. Wait until you see it exactly but i can see why people would be saying that because the lead up to this is a lot higher in terms of expectations than it was right for joker. but then and wouldn't I, that I, make I, the ledger joker better because it was because there was no expectations you, yeah exactly you exactly. didn't expect it you thought he was going to suck and so i feel like that elevates it to a new level because it's like he turned in a performance you would have never expected that you never even thought possible and so yeah, I just, I don't feel, and it has nothing to do with the fact that Heath Ledger's dead, so it's not like I'm like, oh, we should respect the dead. It's like, no, the the guy who originally played the Joker, Caesar, he's f***ing dead, so, <laughs> I mean, we I don't mean, have my, to respect the dead necessarily, it's just, 
you know. Yeah. Now, now, do I think that Le- that Ledger? <laughs> do I think that uh, Joaquin Phoenix is going to be up there in terms of the echelon of the Jokers? Yes, yes. I do. I think I could, he, I could I agree think, with that. Yeah. I think he, I think after this movie comes out, he will deserve to be in the same category as Ledger, Nicholson, Caesar. Um, I really, really do. Uh, Jared Leto, love Jared Leto to death. His Joker just does not belong in that category. Um, I liked, so this is, I've said this before in Suicide Squad, I liked the different Joker. I liked their take on him because uh-huh. it was something different we hadn't seen before. Um, but no, if you're, if you're lining up these guys in that order, Jared doesn't belong there. Mm-hmm. I think that Walking Phoenix preliminarily Listen. could belong up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um, another thing, and this is totally going to be me, and I know you guys are going to totally disagree with me. I'm going to get a ton of hate mail. But for me... Like this trailer looks way too art house for me, like, and I I don't like a lot of art house. Not that I avoid them necessarily, but I don't like art house movies. And on top of that, this is one hundred percent me again. But um, I also, in a lot of cases, I've actually avoided Joaquin Phoenix's um, movies. Bless you, thank you, because. He is such a good actor. He is such a deep actor. And I'd say, aside from signs, I'd say like 100% of his movies, or at least recent movies, I mean, I guess he's probably had a couple of stinkers back in the day, but his most recent movies, 100% of them have been super serious, have been super dark, have just been him at his pinnacle. And so for me, like I don't personally go to a movie to be super depressed or have this really heavy story just laid on top of me. And so then I'm just like the guy from the crucible. I'm like more weight, you know, like that's not what I go to see a movie for, you know, I will go see like a romantic movie or, you know, something that has drama in it. But when it gets to the point where it's just drama, 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 so much drama and just heavy drama, there's a there's huge difference between like a depressing kind of romance, you know, even if the romance, like she, the guy doesn't get the girl at the end or something, there's something different between that and this just a super, super heavy drama and i'll say the same thing about like tv shows like we were talking about in the post show uh the act on hulu looks like a great 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 uh uh tv series series, but i don't think i will ever watch it because it looks way too goddamn depressing i mean just the concept of it of a mother like making her daughter sick or something that's super deep and i don't know if i'm ever going to be in the mood you know like you know what i just want to feel like killing myself so let me watch this yeah no i can i mean i can agree with that statement of it looks like an art house film because especially from the trailer it does look very art house in a sense now what i will give you as a parallel to that is i think the joker deserves that I yeah, think the Joker yeah. deserves to be like that. the The way to tell a good Joker story, I think, is that way. Okay. Um, because the Joker, he's such a complex character that a complex kind of storytelling just matches one for one. Yeah. You know. So. I mean. I mean. I guess that also goes back to my whole universe complaint. You know, there hasn't been a a DC movie that has, and I know that this is supposed to like set a new stage for it or whatever, but still it's like, we're going from Aquaman, which took its insane premise and ran with it. And that's part of the reason it's mediocre. Um, 
But then you have this and it's just the complete polar opposite. And in many ways that might end up being its best feature. But I don't know. It's just hard to tell from this one trailer. You know, like Link, you don't want to judge a, a movie by its trailer, but it's like, you know, I can't help but be critical of this. I want another trailer. Like, this is the one the one instance where I feel like another trailer might actually do some good. Like, you know, I know both of you are probably fine with just one trailer. It's like, just let it come out or whatever. But me, it's like, I need something to flesh it out a little bit more. Because he does a little bit of talking. And there is... There's somewhat of a storytelling in the trailer itself, but not enough to make me. I feel like a lot of it, a lot of it was fan service. And so without me being a huge fan about, oh, here he is going on this talk show. Of course, I had to watch a YouTube video for this. Here he is going on to the talk show. So that means we might get, you know, part of the killing joke or, you know, something. I don't know. I don't know. So that's my point is that here's all these references. Here's all these things, these hints or little breadcrumbs that we're getting from like the comic books or whatever. But it's like, I'm not the biggest comic book fan as far as DC's confirmed. So it's like, I just don't know that, you know? So as a casual moviegoer, it needs to sell me just as much as anybody else. And so me being the casual DC fan, you're not selling me. And that's obviously the whole point of a trailer is to sell me. Wow. Um, I, I just want to throw in there. You guys are really in depth with trailers. The, this I, I did not expect this discussion to go. <laughs> I know we're going on minute to go something. this long about a trailer. Um, <laughs> one thing I will say, though, to your point about fan service, to me, that's all a trailer is. Right. Because if, if you gave the premise of the movie you said who was in the movie and then said, hey, it comes out in eight months. Go see it. Um, that would be enough for me. But to me, trailers are a bit of just fan service in and of themselves. So I don't mind the quote unquote fan service trailers, if you will, um, that are that are aimed at that. Just because I, I feel like that's their whole point to begin with. Um, I, I, I will admit, though, like all the stuff you brought up between the the conspiracies or the thoughts or the 10 hats, as you put it, I hadn't thought of any of that. I had just watched the trailer, closed the YouTube browser and went on with my day. You, you guys, <laughs> you guys dove in. So kudos on that, I guess. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. We like to talk about feelings and, and like how something makes us feel because I mean, now there, there is one thing that it's, it's Joker related, but it's, Kind of not in a, in a uh, in a way, but there is something that I wanted to bring up because it's something that I had just learned earlier this week. Um, talking about Heath Ledger's Joker, uh, uh, Michael J. White, who was Spawn, he was also Gamble in The Dark Knight. He was the the mobster. Um, he was on Collider's podcast, and he was talking about Heath Ledger. Or the the question was they were asking him about his. Um, what that experience was shooting The Dark Knight, and he was like, "This was one of the best, like, like." shoots that I was on. He was like, Nolan was so carefree and it wasn't like a, like a strict, you know, scenario. But the thing that was important was he brought up Heath Ledger and they asked about, you know, they were saying, obviously there's a lot of conjecture about his death and, you know, things like that. He's like, he see, here's the thing. This is the giant misconception. This is what he was saying. Um, he would flip that switch. And then once they said cut, he'd be like, how Heath Ledger would be like, how was that? Was that good? Did you like that? 
And it was like he was having fun the entire time, and he was like just so carefree. Like it wasn't like people say. And he pointed out, he was like, people also don't realize when he passed away, he was shooting the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnarsis. Like he had been completely done shooting the Joker in The Dark Knight when he passed away, when he OD'd. And so it's one of those that, but whenever that happened, I was like, oh, that makes sense. The Joker's such a dark character and he took his role so seriously that it took him down a dark right. path. It writes itself. But the fact of him coming out and be like, look, that it just wasn't the case. Shed new light on it was like, oh, okay. Like it kind of, it made me feel a little bit better in a sense, yeah. just because for the longest time, it's one of those, it's easily one of the best roles in cinema I've seen in a long time. And, but it also was a little tainted by the fact of, oh, this is what caused him to die. Yeah. But now that that's gone, it's like, oh, I can enjoy it a little bit better. Which you could before, but yeah, I, I can see what you mean. Yeah. So. Joker trailer. What did you guys think about it? Let us know in the comments down below, or you can go to TX3 Productions. So now let's talk about something on the video game side of stuff, and that is the World War Z. We got a new look at World War Z, and I have to admit that from from before or before, it's like I kind of just looked at this as like, okay, this is a this is another zombie game like nothing really stuck out to me as like oh i need to play this game but then there's this new thing uh we'll put it in the in the description down below but there's this new thing um that they put out it's like two minutes but it's talking about like the game and like the systems or whatever and one thing that it talks about is the game director and the moment they said game director like my ears perked up like admittedly I was on the pot and I was going to the bathroom and I was just kind of like mindlessly watching stuff, you know, which is what you do obviously. But the moment they said game director, I'm like, Oh, I actually want to watch this. <laughs> so I actually mm-hmm. stopped watching it, got done with my whole thing and then watched it again. But now I like watched it with intent and it looks interesting. I mean, like have, what do you guys think about it? Have you seen it? Yes. Yeah, so, The game itself intrigues me for one reason only, which is the same thing I look at when it comes to any zombie video game, which is the rail system. Um, It seems Uh to recreate a system in which, uh, similar to Left 4 Dead, you don't feel like there's an easy way out. Um, You you have Mm -hmm. to fight them however they come, and you need to prepare yourself for that. Um, That intrigued me. That alone with the uh, graphics, obviously, were top-notch in my opinion yes um really impressed me in more ways than i thought this game was going to whenever i originally heard about it mm-hmm. and nate so right off the bat visually it looks like division mm-hmm. meets left for dead okay i mean it 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 very much like the the gameplay itself looks very division s because it's a third person right. shooter. But I'm the same exact way with you. That was one of the things that I paid attention to a lot with Left 4 Dead One and Two is what the game direction was. Like what like I played with a buddy who was studying game design and he was like, "You see that event that just happened? The game director he's like, listen with the this is one of those games the first time I played with a commentary. On oh yes, because yes. like it was interesting to see what like what his choice was for that specific area. So. I can agree with you when they say that right off the bat, it's like, Oh, this <laughs> it's like that scene from Django Unchained. And it's like, now you have my attention or whatever the hell he says. Um, 
it looks super fun. Yeah. Like when they when I when I saw that they were making this game, I immediately thought of Overkill as The Walking Dead. I was like, oh, this isn't gonna be good. Yeah. Like it just yeah. it doesn't seem like it's gonna and be good. But this looks super fun. Yeah. And I mean that was kind of my my thought at first. I was just like, okay, this is just. It was to me. It was just another zombie game. And then just that one word, director, and I'm like, wait a second, that like the like flashback to Left for Dead, listening to those commentaries and how they have how they have the game director and the game director decides, uh, and they talk about it in the trailer. Please go watch it. But they talk about it in the trailer, like if you have too much health and you're doing too good, it will throw more zombies at you. But if you're doing you're low on health and you're not doing so good during like one of their last stands, they'll actually throw like a little bit more at you just to kind of even it out or whatever. But then the one part, the one thing that every Left for Dead clone has been missing, do you know what I'm talking about, Nate? Um this one I don't. Oh, come on. Come on. Um, what is the one thing that every single we got Vermintide, we got Payday, we got you know the Earthfall or whatever, but they could never seem to get that one thing. Come on, I've talked about it several times. I see. I would say charm, but I know that's not the right no, answer. No, no, it is the three act structure. Oh, that is the yes. one thing yes, that they yes, have yes, never yes. seemed to um, copy. Vermintide is mission-based. Go on this mission, then go on the next mission. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's not what Left 4 Dead sticks out because it's every every um, every mission, quote-unquote, was a movie. It was an hour-and-a-half-long movie, depending on how fast you went through it, and you had three acts. Each had its own, like you know submission there was a main mission was which was basically to escape and each act had its own submission and that's one thing that they talk about in the trailer and i was just like yeah that's just jacking off if you guys were wanting to know audio listeners yeah i just in my pants do we want to go down this road again no okay pre-show post-show guys you know what i'm talking about but I mean, they they start talking about that, and there there's three acts or whatever, and I'm just like sold, freaking sold, right off the bat, because it's like director check. A lot of other games have had directors. Let's let's be honest here. Let's be honest, people. A lot of games claim to have directors. Anyways, and but this is the first one that seems to be doing the three act structure and each act having its own thing and da 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 da. da. So I'm like, okay, you are saying all the right things which is funny because joker trailer just didn't say enough of the right things because i'm just a normal do nothing fan i'm not a uber fan of joker and so i'm pretty sure to all the other joker fans out there they're yelling at me and just thinking to themselves they said all the right things you're just a nobody or you're just a you're just a scrub and i don't want no scrub because a scrub is a guy who can't get no love to me Sitting on the passenger side of his best friends, right? Trying to, trying to holler at me. At me. So, um, but yeah, they're saying all the right things. And this is a game that I would have never, honestly, never considered buying. I would have maybe rented it. I maybe would have, you know, oh, check it out when it comes free on PlayStation Plus. But like now, after this trailer, I'm like, okay, I'm in. I'm in. Well, see, that's that's the thing is, yes, all games have directors. Right. 
But you don't like. I can only tell you two off the top of my head that I know about the director and I know what their role is, and that's God of War, and that's Left for Dead. Really, what's God of War do? But well, like the main God of like God of War, like the most recent God. Right. Of War. What is what's the well, game director in that one? Corey Barlog. Well, I'm. <sighs> I'm you talking about what? game director as in in the game itself. It directs the flow of action. That's what I'm well, talking what, about. Well, it, well, if, well for, for me, like those are the two games in particular that I know who the director is and I know what his job is. Like I pay it okay. to, like for when God of War was coming out, they did a lot of focuses on the direction of the game and right. like the, the choices that he made. That's so, just not what I was but talking that's, about. <laughs> well, 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 that's what I'm saying is most games, yes, they have directors, but I just play the game. I right. don't know okay, anything yeah. about that, the production of it. Those are the only two games I can think of off the top of my head that I pay attention to what the director's doing mm-hmm. and the actual mm-hmm. production of the game. Gotcha. Does that make more sense? I it didn't makes say more it sense, right but first. that's just not what I was talking about when so, I was talking about game director. Let's talk about the actual like so, system in the game. Just but it's to go okay. further away thing, from Nick Nate. and go more towards Nate, because um, actually what I was thinking <laughs> the entire time was something like Metal Gear Solid, where um, that, oh, that's kind point. of the one good that point. sticks out to me whenever you take game director and integral to the actual... Okay. game uh that that's kind of where my mind goes so i was kind of right there with you nate yeah i was kind of right there with you nate uh all right if if there's any listeners who were thinking the same thing know what i mean is there's an actual there's an actual in-game system and that director decides um you know due to algorithms and stuff like that it decides in game what's going to happen it helps oh, the flow okay. of battle okay okay and okay so, so what me and link were talking about were two different things yeah. what, what like with hideo kojima it's like oh i see what hideo kojima is doing in this yes. spot what nick is saying yes. is there is in game events that the director yes. chooses how it happens okay right and we're that's, all clear it's at now. random it's at random i mean there's special zombies which you know we you've, we've had special zombies since left for dead but then these ones actually look interesting. Like there's a gas one where if you shoot it anywhere else but the head, it'll spew out gas. And so it'll just keep coming at you until you shoot it in the head. I'm like, okay, that's kind of badass. And I will point out, I definitely like this charger versus the Quagmire charger. Yeah. From Left 4 Dead 2. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know what else to say. Totally surprised by it. Totally surprised by it. Was not expecting. Right. And I mean, I feel like this is a game that I have looked at all the trailers and I'm like, oh, cool. They're piling on top of each other to get to you. Oh, cool. You're on a turret and they're, you know, spewing over a bus or something. That was in the movie. Oh, yay. Or whatever. But like nothing, nothing stuck out as I have to have this game. But then I guess another thing is, is that kind of like with uh, Vermintide, for instance, uh, Vermintide took Left 4 Dead and then it gave it some RPG functions. And this seems to be doing the same thing where like you'll be you'll be trying to do harder and harder stuff, getting harder and harder loot so you can make it hard. You know, like that's cool. Like, cause as much as I love Left 4 Dead and it's extremely replayable, you do get to a certain extent where it's like, okay, I've played this, you know, let's say 50 times. <laughs> and after the 50th time, it's like, you're so used to it. It is kind of like watching a movie. You're like, I know what to expect, even though it's not in the exact same spot as, as last time, I kind of know what to expect or whatever. And so Vermintide kind of mixed that up by having its loot system. And so this seems to be having a similar loot system, but now we get guns and, you know, hordes and hordes of zombies. So it's like, it just, 
there was so much in this like two minute long trailer that just said all the right things that they never said before. I mean, I honestly, they should have started with this trailer because if they would have started with this trailer like years ago, I want to say it's been two or three years since it was announced technically, which is how old the movie is. <laughs> I think like 2015 was the first time I heard. About I think it. so. Yeah. So it's been years. And if they would have started with this, I feel like, you know, I feel like I would have been on board this whole time. I feel like the only reason I was on board before is because I like zombies, you know? And the thought of having hordes of zombies was, oh, yeah, that sounds kind of cool, whatever, man. But now I'm like, hell yeah! Yeah, it definitely looks like um, it looks like a more Left for Dead version of uh, Days Gone. Because yeah. Days Gone has a very similar mechanic in terms of the zombies like just piling yeah, up and using and hordes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. So... That's World War Z. I'm excited for it. What are you guys excited for? You guys let us know down in the comments below. TX3 Productions on Twitter or ThreadX3 Productions at gmail.com. Up next, next, next. We're going, going, going. On, 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 on to open discussions. I feel like the biggest thing that happened this week that actually deserved its own, like, completely different segment was the uh, Jason Schreier article that came out. I can agree with that. Did, okay, for show of hands, did anybody read it? Here? <laughs> oh, oh, you're such a nerd with your glasses and your beard. <laughs> so, for context, I read the first half of it. But this is easily like a 5,000 to 8,000 word. 5,000 to 8,000 word article. Oh my God, I mean, it's, it's gigantic. So yeah, I didn't, read, a, it. I didn't read it all the way through. Give him a click just so that you know you can show your appreciation. Go to Jason Schreier or whatever. Go, I don't know. There's probably 8,000 freaking links to that one article because everybody and their mom had to talk about this. And I wanted to talk about it too, but I kind of want it since everybody has been talking about this, I kind of wanted to go at it from a different angle. And that was more AAA game development in general because what we've gotten from this Anthem controversy is actually there's been a lot of people that met messaged Jason Schreier days after he wrote it or even the day of and basically said you know what you put x name into this company's name instead of EA or Bioware and you have my exact working conditions and I'm like oh my god that's scary because we already know like as hardcore gamers and people who look into stories of gaming we already know that like games like um uh, Destiny. Destiny was pretty much made in 18 months because they were going a completely different way. And Destiny, funnily enough, had the same thing where there's like whole segments of it missing, just like in Anthem, where you could see old live streams where they had like tons of like cosmetic stuff. And it's like, okay, where's all that cosmetic stuff, guys? Um, and, and, and so like the thought of like triple A game development being this where like you could not even know what your game is and where it's going until E3. <laughs> it's it's absolutely and I mean that also kind of goes back to what you were saying about Corey Barlog where he actually had a vision and when people went to talk to him like they believed in his vision and like it's just night and day. And, like, I would consider Santa Monica AAA. Oh, yeah. 
You know, they are for sure. You know, I would consider them trip. They're definitely not double A and they're definitely not single A. So it's like it. They are triple A, but they're doing it right. You know, let's start off with Link. I mean, what was your overall reaction to this? And you know, more on the big side of like the industry itself. So, as some of you may know, I got the privilege to go to PAX East this year. Um, and while I was there, it was actually very shocking to see, but there are actually people protesting the announcement of major video games there. Wow. So you, you got to think, you have to pay for a ticket, a hotel room, a flight, food, mm-hmm. all this stuff to go up to an event that is half reserved for press, and then you have another 5,000 people running around getting to check out all the games and stuff. And of those 5,000 people, the conservative guess in me would be about a 1,000 of them were walking around with signs saying, don't buy their crap anymore. Wow. And that was kind of the that was kind of the popular thing of the weekend. Um, as a matter of fact, when the press conference for Gearbox happened, um, and I had never been to one of these, so it was kind of a learning experience for me. I was probably somewhere in the back of the auditorium. Uh-huh. Uh, they started uh, talking a little bit about whatever, what was going to happen, what they were going to show. So the crazy part is that a lot of people don't realize when you watch these announcements, the people in the crowd already know it's coming. Really, they don't know. They don't know the extent of it, and they don't know uh, what it's going to look like. But we knew Borderlands Three was going to be announced with gameplay. Like right, right, okay. probably hours before everybody. Oh, damn. So that was kind of cool. But um, afterwards, they come out and they say, hey, does anybody have any questions? We're going to do an open mic. Oh, an like in Diablo? When the, do you guys not have phones? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For like for like an hour to two hours. God damn, right? okay. Cool, I didn't cool. stay for the whole thing. Uh, but one of the first things they came out and said was, listen, our goal at Take-Two, uh, or not Take-Two, uh, 2K is to um, set ourselves aside from different AAA development companies who are just shitting the bed. Those were their exact words. So it's no secret in the industry that some companies are worse to work for than others, and some companies force things that they shouldn't more than others. Um, Whereas you take a company that made one of my favorite games in Borderlands, and they literally waited... I think it was four or five years from the pre-sequel to now yeah, to release yeah, three. Yeah. Um, that, to me, is amazing, mm. right? It, it's amazing that these people are so in touch because um, I, I should have prefaced. The, the people who were answering the questions were actual developers and game designers right. and stuff like Not that. PR. Nobody whose name... Nobody whose name you would know, but people who go to work every day, mm-hmm, sit mm-hmm. at a desk, and actually do the hard work going into the games. And there was probably a panel of 20 of them. Nice. And all of them said, hey, this is the best company I've ever worked for. I've worked for Rockstar. I've worked for XYZ. I've worked Damn. for this. This is the only company that doesn't give me a hard deadline, that lets me do my creative process, that lets me work, and lets me do what I need to do. Nice. And that repeatedly came up throughout the Q&A. So... It's an obvious issue in the industry. Um, as far as the article, I haven't read it. I've heard about it. Mm-hmm. I haven't read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure exactly when it came out in reference to PAX East, but it's obvious that... It came out uh, Tuesday? Yeah, came out Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, so it came out afterwards. Yes, so true. this is something that gets acknowledged by people in the industry on a frequent basis. And so yeah. now my goal, to be honest with you, 
is to go to E3 because I really want to experience that and see what that's yeah. like. I really want to understand what other developers think as well because obviously PAX East had a lot of developers there. The main show I went to though was for the uh, the Gearbox software, um, you know, presser because I was excited about Borderlands Three, right. but. Um, I'd be curious to see what other developers think on the matter or if that even gets brought up at all. So, um, so a question I have for you real fast, because yeah. I have to know, was it as cringy to be there as it was to be watching it online? Because like for, for me, it would be like the difference between uh, like watching football on your TV versus like being in the atmosphere. So how was it being there? It was crazy. Like, uh, that's why I'm so excited about the thought of E3, because my understanding is based on how that conference went, obviously with E3, they have like set two to three hour blocks for each developer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Where people are in the audience and go do it. But as an actual audience member, you're in that auditorium for probably six to seven hours. God damn. So you would pick individually who you want to go see, or at least that's what happened with Gearboxes. Because like I said... We got a little brochure that said everything they were going to go over um, and when they were going to go over it straight nice. ahead. So we we knew that information an hour before they announced anything. So right. when the Borderlands 3 trailer came on, we knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I almost think it's like um, kind of like a fuel to uh, audience reaction. Like, hey, True. you know yeah, what's coming yeah. next. We're about to show this freak yeah. out kind of thing. Um, and I'm not sure if that's how every developer does it or not. Once again, this was my only one, uh, but it was so only when you have awesome. time for Jesus, <laughs> but by the way, I have to tell you, my biggest mistake is not cosplaying because I felt like I was one of only like five people and I stuck out like a sore thumb because <laughs> any, any game movie, TV show, anything else you could imagine had cosplayers there for it. Yeah. Like, they did photography sections with even one of my favorite games, League of Legends, had nice, like nice, hundreds yeah. of thousands of people dressed for League of Legends, and there was no information given on League of Legends at all. So it's it's little things like that that were pretty cool. But uh, no, to answer your question, it is not nearly as cringeworthy as watching an announcement section on uh, on Twitch or whatever. Yeah. So to go into the whole Jason thing, like I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it, but I think in terms of what we're talking about with AAA game development, the, the statement in the article that was the most damning and, and with any of the statements I'm going to make a lot of what's in the article, um, you have to, it's not like a confirmed thing. Like a lot of his sources are people who are, who were developers, but it's one of those. It's like, it, it's, it's all behind. You know what I'm saying? Like we can't speak in confirmation of, Hey, this actually happened because it's, you know, it's not confirmed. So a lot of people want to pick you to death about that. But the one statement in the article that was the most damning for this conversation is one of the developers who is a part of the team for Dragon Age Inquisition said that the success of Dragon Age Inquisition is what hurt them the most. They were leading up to that game. They were in such crunch. They were in such like they did that game in such a bad way uh-huh. that most of the team or a lot of the team was hoping the game would flop so they could show EA, hey, this isn't the way that we need to make games. But since Inquisition was so successful, that was yeah. such a deterrent. That was such a bad move. That was such a bad thing that happened to the developers. Because they were like, oh, well, now EA is going to think that this is the way we need to make games. And this is how we're going to continue to make games. Yeah. So when you have a developer saying that 
a game we worked so hard on, we wanted to fail because we want EA to see that this isn't how we need to make games. Right. And the fact that it succeeded was bad for them. That's, that's not something, that's not something that's good. You know, of course, Anthem was a very special case because the biggest problem that happened with Anthem is the fact of it just had no direction for its, its mm-hmm, life cycle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, I, I know that, uh, Anthony and PFS, PS best friends on their last episode, they talked about this. Um, but one of the things he said was when we got reports that Casey Hudson was coming back to Bioware, he was like, what's that for? Like, why would he be coming out of retirement? And it's because they needed leadership. They didn't have leadership the entire time that they were making that game. But it is one of those that I think we are on the precipice of something changing in the game, either on the precipice of unions starting to take effect or of people being like, hey, like companies, we need to stop doing this. This Mm -hmm. isn't okay. Another thing that was big in the article is that... um, either throughout the Dragon Age team or throughout the past several years, there's a lot of people at Bioware that were leaving or taking leave for stress leave, mm-hmm. for mental health. That's not okay. Not okay That's yeah. not the way we need to make games at all. You know, you, Link, you talked about companies. You were talking about, I, I don't know, different companies. That's why Ubisoft is being touted so much in the past several years because Ubisoft continues to do things right. They don't have mass layoffs. They do restructures. If they have parts of, if they have people who aren't like completing any kind of job, like, hey, we don't need you anymore. Hey, instead of laying you off, we're going to put you in a different team, put you in a mm-hmm. different role so we can still use your talent. And you haven't seen, really, since the whole Vivendi thing, you haven't seen anything bad come out of Ubisoft. And Ubisoft continues to put out these AAA hits, these games that are just continuing to push the bar and they're doing it in the right way so i'm not a developer i don't know the ins and outs of it but it's one of those as a someone viewing in from the outside it's an easy statement for me to make why can't we be why can't game developers be more like ubisoft and i know that's not fair to say but i think that going forward we need to really look at ubisoft and see what they're doing and how they're doing it yeah i mean first off i have to disagree with one thing you said and that is that we can't we can't say that everything's confirmed. And it's like, eh, there's, there's several no, things. No, I'm, I'm, I'm being legal, legal jargon here. Oh, like, yeah, it I was know, never I confirmed. Know. And that's why I'm being the contrarian. <laughs> because right, fair, That's fair. Um, that's fair. Because I feel like there's tons of things. That, I feel like most of what was re- revealed was things that everybody kind of already came up with on their suspected. own. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. They suspected on their own, but now having it outright confirmed you know and what i loved about like jay why well, I, I hate jason schreier let's make that very clear i hate jason schreier in almost any other aspect especially when he's like touting on how we're being like privileged because we don't like microtransactions yeah go fuck yourself jason schreier however what jason schreier did correctly is he didn't just get one person who is a disgruntled employee and who you know wanted to have this vindictive against bioware or ea no this was 19 different people and i feel like you know to anybody who's just like oh it's just some rogue employee it's like yeah but 19 rogue employees I mean, it's kind of like one person accused Bill Cosby and people were just like, oh, it's fine. He's the guy who lacks pudding pops. And and so but then you had like 50 people. and It's like, OK, guys, we need to start taking this a little serious. So it's kind of like, yeah. 
you know, one person would be, but the fact that he went out and he got 19 different people to like collab collaborate with and be like, okay, you know, let's, let's get the real story here. I feel like that was the best thing he could do because anybody who tries to discourage him or anybody's like, oh, but these are just anonymous sources. Like, yeah, but these 19 different people saying pretty much the same thing. Like it kind of just credits him even more because he did his due diligence. It'd be so easy you know, it'd be so easy for EA to put out an email. Because I want to say, who was it? It was Rockstar. It was Rockstar after the whole Red Dead Redemption 100-hour crack or crush. Um, they put out an email saying to people, hey, go on Twitter and speak out against this if you feel like it. You know, but it was like, yeah, if you feel like it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, And let's put this out there, too. Like, Jason, like, I, I get what you're saying. A lot of people don't like Jason Schreier. But one thing in Jason Schreier is, like that we have to give him credit for is he probably is one of the best journalists oh, in yeah. this industry right oh, yeah. now because I he won't de- just deny that. He but you know I can a lot of people don't like him personally like for for like his opinions but as far as you know he is continuously the one to come out there and give you the news that most people don't want to hear. Yeah. And you you know it's it's one of those that which you know I listen to a lot of the kind of funny guys and you know they came from IGN and even they say in in a lot lighter tones that you know IGN isn't what it used to be. I don't look to IGN for journalism anymore. I look to them for tips, facts, yeah, like you know yeah. opinion pieces. But Jason is continuing to evolve the industry as far as um, video jur- like journalism in video games or yeah, journalism exactly. period. Like I mean, it's one of those in the world we live in where fake news. Like right, yeah. Jason never puts out fake news. Exactly, and so that's what I was trying to you know put across is that you know I might hate him, but goddamn, he did a good job. You know, right. and he usually does. I'm not saying that. Um, but, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of damning things. And the fact that you could put, like, Activisions, like, I, I could definitely see Activisions going in here. I could definitely see, um, I guess, Activision EA or the two main ones, probably. But, yeah, it's like, it really makes me rethink how I look at certain companies. Because it's like, Insomniac pokes out another you know, Spider-Man, or even if they decide to take a break and, you know, do another game, whatever they decide to do, I feel like I can trust them. I can trust them. First off, I'm not going to hear from them for a while, probably. So great. That's fine. You know, like the fact that they can make enough money to go away for a couple of years. Good for you, because that shows me that you're not worried about the dollar amount. You're worried about being sustainable and having a good game. And so, yeah, it just makes me look at some things in the industry way differently because it's like we need to edge out these companies, EA, Activision, like they need to go away, even to a certain extent, uh, take two interactive or whatever. Because they're the same people that were having the uh, rock star issue, you know, because I feel like the one thing and I, I, I know it's weird because it's also done by EA. But the one thing that stuck out about Apex Legends is that they straight out came out and said, hey, EA had nothing to do with this. And so that the fact that Ant, or Apex is one of like the best EA games in years, years and EA had nothing to do with it, like, that kind of shows you, like, Respawn doesn't really need them if they had the freedom to just do what they want. Now, obviously, there's plenty of things as far as, like, the leadership, like you were talking about. There's leadership and everything that BioWare didn't have, and so there are plenty of things about BioWare itself 
that needs to be fixed. And EA is just part of that. But, you know, it was kind of like when we were talking about, um, like the microtransactions and stuff for like Call of Duty, I had the big argument. We mean you had a big argument about whether or not, you know, who's to blame, whether it's Activision or um, Treyarch. Treyarch or whatever. I still stand by that it's uh, tr- or it's Activision because it's kind of like the chicken and the egg conversation. Well, would they want microtransactions if they didn't have Activision? You know, ch- you know breathing down their neck would bioware have fumbled this so hard if they weren't so worried if they weren't so stressed obviously all the time or whatever management and leadership has a big part of that but if that management and leadership is worried about being you know let go just as much as the peons so to speak then that creates such a huge problem with everything because like Ah, man, I mean, like, the shit rolls downhill, basically. That old saying, you and, know? And that's what makes me very excited uh, about Destiny 3, is Destiny 3 is going to oh, come yeah. out without <laughs> Activision backing it. It's a, it's going to be a Bungie game, oh, so it really God. makes yeah, me right. wonder how the success of it is going to be. Is that going to be proof that, hey, you know, Activision had nothing to do with this, this is Bungie, and this is working? It's one of those that we'll have to see how that pans out to see if that is going to be an indicator of, oh, hey, of course EA and Activision aren't going to go away. They're one of the biggest leaders in publishing in the industry. Right. But what they need to do, what like you're saying, edging out, we need to like have like an actual conversation with these different uh, publishers, these right. different we developers. We need to come to Jesus moment. Exactly. We do need to come to Jesus moment in this industry to be like, hey, look, the, this is the way we used to make games in the past. We can't do this anymore. Mm. And see, here's the thing. As a consumer, if that means I'm not going to get games as often as we do, I'm fine with that. I care more There's too many about, to play now anyways. <laughs> I, exactly. I care more about the people who are making this and their livelihood than yep. I... Of course, I care about the games, but you also have a large amount of people that don't care about any of that. They don't know any of this is going on. Mm-hmm. But that's what I think is changing too is a lot of people are paying more attention to it than they used to. Yes. So that, I think, is what's going to be the catalyst for this change in the industry. I actually uh, heard a pretty good argument um, the other day about those people that you were referencing who aren't as familiar with the inner workings of a company. Uh, one of the big turning points was Black Ops, the recent Black Ops that came out, and not having a campaign. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of people looked at that and said, wow, I'm used to my Call of Duties having campaigns because, you know, I'm 37 years old. I'm a father of three. I don't have time to sit down and play multiplayer for four or five hours a day. Right. I'd normally just plug it in for the campaign. Well, this sucks. Let me get a refund. And and so that was actually kind of a big turning point for a lot of people because they started to realize, hey, they're going towards one thing and they're not catering to everybody anymore. They're catering to a specific audience who pays them money. And uh, the yeah. the argument was pretty sound, I thought, because it made a lot of sense. And it was from a gentleman who plays video games pretty regularly but when it comes to call of duty specifically never plays multiplayer because for one reason or another you know he's not very good at it he doesn't have time whatever it is that's not how he has fun he has fun with the storytelling and the campaign um which obviously was non-existent in the previous call of duty so i think people are starting to wake up to it to your point and uh i think that's good and mm-hmm. the whole coming to jesus meeting yeah i think is happening whether they want it or not, whether we organize it or not, I think it's happening internally. Um, mm. That's kind of what I got 
from the PAX East conference is developers and designers and creative artists, they're aware of these issues. Um, so whether or not they decide to take it to the man that they need to take it to is their prerogative. But like with 2K, I was so impressed because they knew where they stood. They told people outright, hey, we're not getting it done until this. And that's what happened. And that's why I've already started pre-ordering Borderlands 3 because I have faith in that project. Whereas like a Destiny 3, I'm probably not going to because I don't have faith in it. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, to be fair, like I'm not yeah. planning on pick up Destiny Three Day One. It, it's really going to depend on what yes, what we understood. see from it. Yeah. If it's going to be more like a like a Halo, like a Bungie original Halo DNA, like I thought Destiny One was going to be, then yeah, I'll look into it. But mm-hmm. my, yeah, to to be clear, my main thing is I'm curious to see if but if uh, Destiny Three has a massive massive success without Activision. Right. Yeah, I would like to see what is their scope. Because I feel like even if it takes a couple more years for them to put something out, reportedly great. it's coming out That's next year. That's freaking great. Yeah, right. Oh so. God, I hope not. I really hope not. I hope it everybody comes remember out in when Destiny yeah. was supposed to be a ten-year because... game, and now we're what six years into it, and we got yeah. Hey, I'm waiting to see. I'm. Yeah, right. This is totally, totally a, a non sequitur, but uh, I, I'm excited about this. Link, you probably are as well. They are. Uh, Lucas Arts, it's coming back into the fold. Like they are, they're finally Disney's. Like, hey, look, we're gonna take back our banner, which is really making me wonder if they're going to break the contract with EA. Because I really hope they do. They need. They to. do. They really need they to. Need to see. Like my my argument towards uh, Link's part is um, Call of Duty Black Ops had a lot to do with it, but I also feel like Battlefront had a huge hand in people suddenly giving a crap yeah. because. Because, and I think it might have been a good one-two punch, you know what I mean? Maybe the people who didn't really care that much about Star Wars, but they cared about Call of Duty, it was the final straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. But yeah, I feel like the the combination of those two games, Battlefront 2, but Call of Duty right, right next to each other, and just realizing more and more that they don't care about you, they care about numbers, you know, and they're... That really just was a real eye-opener for so many people. And even me being a super hardcore gamer that I was like, I just don't know, you know, which is also, (laughs) this also part of the reason why it's like every time I boot up Apex and it has that EA logo, I'm like, God dang it. That's right. They own this. Like, it's always such like a weird feeling because it's like I'm having so much, you know, fun with it. And I'm, you know, I I don't know. It's just so weird because it's just like, I'm not supposed to like this. Like and I don't want to in some 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 days I'm like I don't want to like you. You're EA. But then it's like, you know, it's just so well made or whatever. Uh anyways. So yeah. I mean, that was pretty open. That was definitely a good open discussion. That was open. Yeah. I mean, and I I just I want more this will be my closing statement. I want more game developers to just give a crap. You know, like, I want them to give a crap about the game itself because what some of them don't seem to understand is that without a good game, what the hell is the point of monetizing it? If you don't have a game worth playing, then why are people going to spend money on it? Like, here's a thought, just a thought. Make a good game, and then when you start, you know, 
trying to milk every last drop of it, you might actually get even more, you know? And I guess that's one thing that is a little frustrating about the industry, and this might go more towards the consumers in some ways, but it's like there's always those whales that we have to worry about. You know, if there wasn't, if there wasn't, let's say, let's say there's 1,000 people spending $20 each. If there wasn't that many people doing that, then I don't even feel like this would be the, a thing. We wouldn't have to worry about microtransactions and everything. But then you go and you look at other games. It's like, where's the microtransactions of God of War? Game of the freaking year, people. You know, like, it's just I wish more games would just worry about the game first. They worry about what makes this a good game. What makes this worth playing? You know, not fiscal years, not the monetary value of it, not how are they going to make it last, you know, till February of the next year. That's what those three main things are what people are more worried about than are we making a good game? And I just want the entire industry take their head out of their live service ass and actually just worry about making a good game. My closing statement on your closing statement is I want more developers to be able to speak about this. I don't yes. I don't think I think that there's maybe some but I think a lot of developers they do care and they do want to say something but they feel like they can't or they're forced to say hey we can't talk about this. So That's a good point. That's what I want. I mean Anthem wasn't even allowed to talk about Destiny. That's 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 the, the, the so that part in the article was infuriating. <laughs> I triggered him. I triggered him. That, that was infuriating because like one of the things it talks about is that and like Nick said the game really didn't the game we're playing now didn't come to fruition until 18 months before it was supposed to launch. Like the entire mm-hmm. 5 year cycle of it it was just an absolute mess. But the problem that a lot of the developers had was in that 18 months they didn't outright say we want a Destiny clone but they wouldn't let in, like but that was the opinion that was like oh this is very similar but the problem was higher up wouldn't let anybody say anything about destiny they wouldn't if yeah. they would ask oh is this like destiny they're like nope it's not like destiny at all that's that's where my problem is with it yeah yeah i mean think of how better like if i'm making a potato salad but I'm not allowed to call it a potato salad. And every time I ask for the ingredients, I'm told that it's not a potato salad. And then I make it and it doesn't have any potatoes in it. And then I get in trouble. It's like, well, it's not a potato salad. I got to be honest. That is a 100% one for one good analogy. <laughs> like that fits I'm a, so us fat guys, We got some really good food analogies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, AAA gaming. Woohoo! Uh, let's let's go on. Last segment of the day is our picks of the week. All right, Link, my man, my main man, Link. What's your um, pick of the week? So last time I did a pick of the week, it was revolving around AC Origins and kind of getting back into story place, story based single player games. Um, this week, I after coming back from PAX East and learning about Borderlands 3, mm-hmm. I jumped back into Borderlands 2. Um, Hell yeah. Which I have played through too many times. Um, but I, uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed my time back into it. Um, 
I, I don't really have too much to say about it. If you if you know Borderlands Two, you know what I'm talking about, right. where it's just one of those mm-hmm. games that you can replay three, four, or five different times and not get bored. Even though, well, I mean, that's because you got the different characters, right? Right, right. You have the different. Who, who are you playing as now? Right now, I'm playing as Zero, which is the oh, okay, cool. Uh, the ninja stealth attack based character. Um, who would you say is your favorite? Probably Commando, which is the character yeah, who has mm-hmm. the mobile turret Paxton. that he can mm-hmm. he can uh, he can place. But I feel I feel like if you do a run through with him, it's a bit too easy. Whereas I find yes, Zero to true. be the most challenging. I think the mm-hmm. most fun, if for whatever reason you're excited about Borderlands 3 and you haven't played Borderlands 2, go play Psycho. Mm-hmm. Because for anybody who hasn't done a run through with Psycho, it's all about like getting as low health as you can and even dying and then coming back from uh, your down but not out stage. So yep. it's uh, it's quite a fun playthrough to do that way. But yeah, there, there are so many great stories and voice acting and i still chuckle at the jokes to this day so that that's kind of been what i've been doing game wise the other thing i'll add uh is just a small little tv section where i have continued my march in game of thrones i am halfway through season two um i one week away baby one i I absolutely hate myself because i like the show um i really enjoy it and i want to keep watching it um, and I hate that. I just, I'm so disappointed in myself. Um, but honestly, it's well-written. Um, it's well-acted. It has yeah. great, beautiful scenery, which, to my understanding, is in a variance of different places. Um, but the the story, obviously, for me, is still young. I think they're going into, I believe, season eight coming up soon yes so i'm yeah. only in season two so i'm hoping that i can make a push to end and catch up right as it ends and probably watch the final yeah. episode live yeah. that, that would be my goal with this but we'll we'll see so yeah so i mean going back to borderlands i want to know what's your favorite character nate so when i started borderlands 2 i started as right. zero um i've tried over the years doing never really I've, I've never finished a playthrough in borderlands 2 um so the uh who's the i know right wait yeah never like those words don't make sense to me do you know what happens at the end of the story i do not hold on my cat's in the way (laughs) dude so basically handsome jack turns into a giant dragon and you have to fight him I'll give Spoiler. you the story. I'll give you the story. Behind. <laughs> I don't I'll care. Give you the story he doesn't that. get. So he doesn't get a when, warning. <laughs> when when Borderlands One came out, or it was way after it came out, I had a lot of friends who were like, "Oh my god, I love Borderlands!" And it was oh, when Borderlands yeah, Two was story. coming out. And so I was like, "I was like, yeah, let me. Okay, let me try it." And I tried Borderlands One. I was like, "This is cool," but I'm bored right now. Like I'm really bored. And it wasn't the game I was looking for at the time. So Borderlands Two came out. And I enjoyed it, but at I'm in a different place gaming now than I was right. back then. Now I think I would very much enjoy the looter shooter like simplicity right. that is Borderlands Two. And I'm gonna I'm gonna start playing Borderlands Two again. Thank you, Nick. Um, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I've never I've never finished a playthrough. But one of the uh, for me character wise, it's either Zero that I really enjoyed, or um, I don't remember the name of the Siren character in Two. Maya. Maya, I really enjoyed her. Actually, when I started playing VR, Borderlands 2 VR, I played as Maya, mm-hmm. and 
I really enjoyed that, but I had played as her before. So I really don't know. It's between those two. I like the psychic nature abilities that Maya has, but I also am just a massive stealth assassin type character in gaming. So yeah. it's a toss up between both of those. Yeah. I think I, brought, mine, I blew everybody's mind right now. So that's I, funny. I think mine would have to be between Axton because I do like his turret, even though it is kind of the easy mode. Um, but I like Axton, but I think my my main one is the girl. Of course, I'm blanking on her name, but the girl with the death claw or the death trap. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, for some reason, I can't remember. Her. It's something like Roxy or something like that. I don't know. But she's like she looks like a punk rock chick or whatever. And, and she throws out a clap trap, but it's a death trap. And so he starts off with like these kind of like Wolverine claws and he just goes around. He's he's wrecking stuff. In fact, like me and my wife just started a thing where I was a psycho and she was the death trap girl. And I'm like, I can't do this. So I started a new character under Axton so that I could actually because like what would happen is like I'm trying to because obviously as a psycho, like if you kill somebody, it regenerates your health immediately. But I can't kill anybody because her death trap is going around <laughs> everywhere and killing everybody for me. And I'm like, ah. And so I get out of my psycho rage and I'm still at like 32 health. And I'm like, well, this is not working for me. <laughs> and so, but anyways, um, but I think she's my favorite just because like I like, I like kind of like having this partner to go around with you. And then I think later on you can upgrade him. So he has like a death ray or something like that. So it's like, you know, he turns in from a melee character to like a long distance character. And it's like, yeah, I, I like it. Plus I feel like a lot of her like, uh, head masks or whatever, are also some of the coolest in the game. So that's, that's my favorite personally. Um, Nate, what are your picks of the week? So my picks of the week, are videos again um, because that's what I spend most of my time doing is just watching YouTube videos. I discovered a YouTuber just like was not searching for him at all. His name is the act man. It's a YouTuber that I just did wasn't looking for, but it was one of those. I went down the rabbit hole of different YouTube videos and the, the one I clicked on was called why modern warfare two is so awesome. Oh yeah. And basically what it is, is a 46 minute long video, but it's a video essay right as a video i guess essay um breaking down what makes modern warfare 2 so good and so he goes into multi-faceted approaches to the game the campaign the multiplayer the like hot the whole like whenever no russian was the thing mm -hmm, back in 2009 mm -hmm. all of that um and it's very in-depth and it's very entertaining if you're someone like me who has played like call of duties of the past like grew up with the series and have certain opinions that relate to his as well. Like it, it's it's such an enjoyable watch. And from there, he does a lot of different videos that are like this. But he's basically done a whole series on Call of Duty as a whole. Okay. And I've already gone down the rabbit hole, watched the Black Ops Two video, the Black Ops One video, Black Ops Three and Four. And so the the next one that I watched was why Black Ops Three is so mediocre and right. awesome is the title of it. Interesting. And he breaks down my exact thoughts on Black Ops 3. The multiplayer, it's fun, but the campaign is absolute trash. The campaign is so bad and is so it's it's like a it's like Anthem. It's like an EA game. <laughs> it's very much all over the place. But he it's these like thirty to forty five minute videos that break down the history of this game, like why everyone thinks it's so good, why he thinks it's good, and. Like I said, if you love Call of Duty, it's it's such a fascinating watch to to just sit down and experience. It's yeah. 
it's easily something that I am enjoying way more than I thought I would. Fun fact, I tried to get the act man on our show. We were all but confirmed, and then for some reason he just stopped contacting me. Are you serious? Yeah. We were all but confirmed. I mean, it was pretty much just like, okay, what day and time? And then just nothing from him. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Because I really liked him, too. I, I can't remember what got me onto him, but it was it was one of his videos. It was, you know... It, some he puts so much out obviously yeah. watch the black watch the black ops one video because the way he intros it is so funny he does like a little sketch like it, it, joking on the numbers um and it's 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 hilarious yeah. it's it's definitely hilarious yeah i like him i like him we'll have to see if we can follow up with that because that's I, I would like to do that i would love to like okay we're gonna go on a tangent now um the problem is with some like bigger youtube stars or whatever is like and I mean, I don't necessarily mean this is a negative, but it's also hard not to say it as a negative. But a lot, a big problem with a lot of the bigger YouTube channels is that they they don't they don't have care. Time. No, they don't care. They have time, dude. I'm sorry. Like, oh, I can't because I stream from four to eight. It's like, okay, whatever. I don't know. I'm not gonna go down that fucking rabbit hole because streaming. <laughs> but. But yeah, it's, it can be hard getting some YouTubers on because it's like, oh, I don't have the time or or whatever. It's like, we're willing to do it whenever you are. So it's like, it's more just like they don't want to put their name next to a smaller creator, which I don't know if we ever get to the point where we're big. It's like, I'd like to, you know, as long as I go to that person's channel and they aren't just absolute garbage, like they go on their mic and it's like, <laughs> You know, like as long as it's not absolute trash or it's like, hey, I like Nazis and so let's 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 salute Nazis and stuff. As long as it's not like bullshit like that, then like I'm totally willing to go on somebody's show. You know? Now I'm gonna have like a concave of people asking me to go on and then I'm gonna have to tell them I don't have time. <laughs> but my point is but my point is is that like, you know, like I don't know, it's just it's it's hard to get bigger people on like there's this nice threshold i feel like as soon as they hit like over a hundred thousand or something it's like i i don't know it's super hard to get them on like when we got freaking drifter on here i was so thankful and like i kept saying it over and over like thank you so much like because it was it was just so hard to get anybody to even take us serious, you know? And, I mean, I feel like that's one thing, and I don't know if it's true, but I feel like that's one thing that, like, a lot of bigger YouTubers might have a hard time remembering is what is it like being so small and trying to reach out to other people? Because, like, sometimes that's what gets you is just collaborating with, like, the right person, you know? And for our account, that's Link, you know, collaborating with him. All of a sudden, we're starting getting a lot more people on our Discord and stuff. Or, I mean, Apex, if we're being super honest. Because <laughs> without Apex, we wouldn't have gotten Link. So, But anyways, I don't know. That was just a little fun fact I wanted to throw in there, and it kind of turned into a tangent. Um, my picks of the week, I guess I just have the one. Um, other than Santa Clarita Diet, which talked about that with my wife on the last one. Still need to watch that. Um, my pick of the week is actually like uh, Conan Exiles. I've been playing that and it's really good. Um, it's rough for sure. Like it's not going to win any awards for best graphics or anything. And honestly, this might just be a good way to kill some time. 
You know, it might be one of those, uh, you talk about it all the time, Nate, might be one of those like podcast kind of games where it's like, you know, it's a lot of mindless, let me cut down this tree, let me, you know, get this rock and harvest or whatever, but it's good. And I mean, it functions. I know that sounds, that sounds like a blooming recommendation, but it's free to play for the PlayStation Plus. And it's like, you know, I, I played a lot of Seven Days to Die. And one of the things that was so frustrating about that game is just how how badly implemented it was onto the PlayStation 4. Like I was playing with this one, or I wasn't playing, but I was doing a live stream and one of my buddies was on it and he played the PC version. I feel like neither one of you are paying attention yeah. to me. So I am. I am. I'm listening to you. <laughs> You're just like staring down at your phone, you jackass. <laughs> Anyways, um, but he plays Seven Days to Die on the PC and so, like, um, we're live streaming it, and there's zombies coming after. We're shooting arrows at it. And, like, he just straight up says, why aren't you going for headshots? I'm like, dude, you cannot go for headshots in this game. Not on the PlayStation 4. He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. You're playing on the PlayStation 4. I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, I know. I know. For me, um, for me, Conan, but yeah, that, Conan Exiles yeah, go ahead. is sort of like a Ark Survival Evolved without dinosaurs. That's kind of what it really reminded me of. Because I played a decent amount of Ark, and then I remember getting Conan, and I thought it was nearly the same game with different items in your inventory and, obviously, no dinosaurs. Right. Um, but to me, it was welcome. I, I thought it was a pretty good game. It gave me a pretty decent playthrough. I think mm -hmm. I put 40 to 50 hours into it. It's one of those games like Ark that yeah. doesn't really have necessarily a purpose as much as just go out and have fun. Yeah. Uh, that's that's my only negative, but I do like the mechanics. Like the the combat mechanics are actually kind of cool because like I'm a big Souls uh, player. I like the, all the Dark Souls. I like um, Bloodborne. I haven't gotten a chance to play Sekiro, um, but like I like those games and um, its combat can kind of be compared to that because you can actually like lock on to a character. And then, you know, you're dodging around and you're waiting for the moment to hit them. And if they, you know, so it's it's sort of like that, like in a very rudimentary way, obviously. But um, the only negative I would say is that there doesn't seem to be a direction. I wish a game. And I mean, I think Sekiro might be it, honestly, if I'm if I'm being honest. But I do wish like these games, I like their open-endedness, but also at the same time, I would like just something pulling me along. Something pulling me along that I don't have to find on a notepad off in the distance or something. Like, I like being pulled through a story, you know. But other than that, as far as like a survival, like I have the only thing I have because I haven't played Ark, especially on the PlayStation. Um, but I've played Seven Days to Die. I played Portal Night is another one, but that one's like super cartoony, so I don't even know if I can technically count that. But anyway, Seven Days to Die is the only one I really have to compare it to. So compared to that, I way prefer this one. I mean, the only negative other than yeah, it's open endedness is I guess maybe. I do wish there were zombies because <laughs> like that's the one thing I do like about the seven days to die. The premise is basically every seven days is like a blood moon. And so when the blood moon comes, you have to uh, you have to like that night um, will be like a huge horde of zombies. And so basically you spend like this first six days getting like a decent um, 
house set up so that you don't die basically and so then each seven days is more and more zombies and you know harder and harder and so yeah I, I really like the premise of it but it just sucks how badly it's implemented on the playstation so to have that same similar um setup only without the you know seven day blood moon thingy um but to have the similar setup but now it seems to actually be working you know there's definitely like they they definitely need like a freaking tutorial because I feel like even just doing some really basic stuff, like I had to like really, you know, really discover it on my own. And I, I don't, on the one hand, I like it, but I don't like it. It's, it's very confusing. It basically made a very frustrating first hour of the gameplay because it's just like, like, I don't know. It's confusing. <laughs> it's hard to explain. But at the same time, it is still my pick of the week because, hey, it's free. So why the hell not? See what I did plug, there, plug, 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 Yeah, plug, 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 plug. plug. Um, so that's going to be the show for today. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, make sure to go to TX3 Productions on Twitter or ThreatX3 Productions at gmail.com. If you guys like the more movie side of things, make sure and check out our movie fix. Movie Fix is where we just talk about movies and blockbuster and reviews and everything. So if you like just the movie side of things, you can go check that out. All right. Thank you, Nate, for joining us. You're welcome, sir. Thank you, Link. It has been an honor gracing you with my presence. Of course, as always. And thank you guys for joining us for this Nerd to the Third, where you can always talk nerdy to me.